for example, in the in the more mystical way of understanding Christianity, it's like it's not about doing good things to go to heaven. It's never it was never about that. And it was never about not being able to do enough good things in order to go to heaven. It's about becoming something. That you become heaven, you could say. You're transformed into something that's free. And that's going up the mountain or moving up towards something higher. So it's more about, so, so the idea that let's say you shouldn't lie isn't about like, well, if I lie so many times and I'll have so many years in purgatory or whatever, it's about if you lie, you are destroying yourself and you're destroying the world around you. Welcome to episode 133 of the Michaela Peterson podcast. I'm Michaela Peterson. This is a very special episode because Jonathan Pajot, a very cool individual, was kind enough to come on and I got to talk about some topics that I've been incredibly interested in for a while. For those of you who don't know, Jonathan is an artist, symbolic thinker, YouTuber, the editor of the Orthodox Arts Journal, and an expert icon carver of Eastern Orthodox icons. You might have heard him on Dad's podcast talk about similar topics. We spoke about my experience finding God this summer, or God revealing himself to me, however you want to put that, the three different branches of Christianity, compassion and suffering, the meaning in narrative and how narrative might be how reality works, something I only recently started to believe, something dad's been talking about forever. It's difficult to understand, but I think I'm getting it a bit. We spoke about Protestantism and the Reformation, hell, purgatory, and more. I asked Jonathan a whole bunch of more religious questions because I'm still learning. It was really interesting. I got kind of personal, although I do do that from time to time. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe. Your support is greatly appreciated. Before we get started, this episode is brought to you by NordPass. Running dad's business and my own, we have so many passwords, it's absurd. I've used absolutely terrible password organizers before, so I'm happy to be advertising for NordPass. NordPass is made by NordVPN, so you know it's a solid product. I can't tell you how much this has simplified my life. NordPass keeps all your notes and passwords in a single, incredibly secure location, only accessible with your master password. It also monitors password health and data breaches like Facebook and LinkedIn had recently. It does autofill for passwords and credit cards, scans credit cards so you don't have to add the numbers into the app. It has an app and a desktop app and is simple and clean to use. It's great. Put your online mind at ease with NordPass. Visit nordpass.com slash TMPP, like the Michaela Peterson podcast, or use code TMPP before February 10th and get a free month plus 50% off two years of NordPass premium. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee but this deal ends on February 10th at nordpass.com slash TMPP or using code TMPP at checkout. Enjoy the episode. I'm so excited about this talk. My dad has been talking about you, but he's, he's here in Nashville with me right now. We're shooting some courses. Every meeting we go to, he tells somebody about you. That's... That's, Seriously, yeah, it's a little humbling, I have to say, but I, I'm happy. I, I, I think that you know when I heard your dad on the radio in 2015, I just felt like there was such a connection between the way we thought, you know, and and I think he felt the same even you know when we met the first time. And so 
yeah so it's like a, i'm i'm excited to support what he's doing you know the way that i can so okay he said yesterday we're we went to a daily wire party and he was talking to ben shapiro and he told ben shapiro about you he said you guys should connect but I, um afterwards i said ben shapiro is probably the smartest person i've met it's great like him in person his verbal fluency it's insane and dad said uh yeah, he's up there among, you know, the top three or four people I've met. But he said you were up there as well. Anyway. I so I'm supposed know. to call Ben Shapiro because I because he he sent me his number. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. That should be really interesting. Okay. So I guess before we get started, can you give a brief background about who you are and what you do? And so I um so my name is Jonathan, I guess. I I live near Montreal. I am an artist, let's say. It's the easiest way to understand what I'm doing is that I guess I'm an artist. I make art for churches, liturgical art. And so uh, your dad likes to call me like an icon carver is a, is even a baser way to describe me. But I would say that in that practice, I also, with my brother Mathieu, who we developed a an expertise on symbolism or maybe a way of viewing the world, a symbolic way of viewing the world, a, try, a way to recapture how the ancients uh, perceived reality and try to bridge that with the modern world in a modern scientific understanding, modern, uh, even evolutionary thinking and everything. So I think that at this moment now, I'm probably more involved and more known for the second part, which is talking about symbolism, helping people understand these old stories in a better way, how they connect to their lives and even how we can understand politics or understand the craziness of our world today through these old stories and through the symbolic thinking. Okay. So how did you get started down that road? It's one of those things it's hard to describe, you know, in my twenties, I had a kind of intellectual, spiritual, personal crisis, you could say. And I started to search and to read and to learn. And it happened in coordination with my brother who, who also is really, he wrote a book on symbolism called the language of creation. And, uh, we just rediscovered that I'd rediscovered the, the church fathers. My brother was reading kind of rabbinical commentary. And then we started reading. Uh, I started looking at images and icons and connecting them to the Bible stories. And it just developed on its own. And then all of a sudden you realize that you found a pattern, which you can almost guess what's there, right? You can, you can at some point you can look through, let's say a litur- uh, text for a, let's say a religious service that you've never seen. And not be at all surprised what you find, because it just basically reveals the same uh, powerful pattern that you find in scripture, that you find in architecture and everything. Okay, we should delve into that, what that pattern is. Yeah, actually, let's just start there. Sure. um, I don't know if you're going to be able to describe that, but what's the pattern that you found? Um, And so the best way to, maybe the best way to understand it is that... um, is the way that Jordan explains it. I think Jordan has a great way of explaining it, which is similar to mine. And it's very easy to understand it that way, which is that the world presents itself to you as too much, right? The world is, is, is full of stuff and there's too much stuff. And everything that you perceive has an indefinite amount of detail. And that detail has, you know, it's like it's infinite detail all the way down, right? And so despite that, for some reason, we're able to perceive unities in our experience. Right. I'm able to say that's an apple, but an apple is not one thing, right? An apple is a million things. An apple is millions and millions of things, but I'm somehow able to perceive it as one thing. 
And so, but I'm also able to perceive parts of things and the unity of things at the same time. We kind of move between mm -hmm. the two, right? I can look at a car and I could say, that's a car, but I could also realize, well, that's the wheel of a car. That's this part, you know, that's the paint that's this. So I can see parts and holes at the same time. So the question is, first of all, how is that possible? And what does that mean? And so we have something, we have a capacity to compress reality into unities. So that happens in space. It happens with objects, but it also happens in time, right? Because time also presents itself to us as an infinite amount. Like think about all the things that are happening around you right now at this moment, right? There are millions of things happening, but you somehow are able to focus your attention. And then you're also capable of stringing together uh, elements to create a story, to, to create a connection between different aspects of what's going on. And so that's not arbitrary. That has a pattern. So there's a way in which we are able to recognize that certain events go together and we can recount them as going together. Uh, and, and like I said, it's not, it's not at all arbitrary. So once you start to see it, you realize that, for example, in the, the, the Bible, in Genesis, what it's describing as it's describing the creation of the world is something like that. It's something which is ex helping you experience and delve into the way in which identities exist. And that takes, it takes all kinds of forms in different, uh, in different uh, spheres. But let's say in, in a story, it's usually just like a, a story has a, a basic pattern usually, which is something like you have a beginning point, you have a problem, and then you have a resolution. That's basically every single story is something like that. And then you can play with that, right? You could fail to have a resolution or you could, you could kind of play with it, but that's the basic pattern. And so you can realize that it, that's what even, even like when you're telling the, your day to your spouse or to your friend, that's what you're doing. You're saying, here's the start of the day. Here is a bunch of stuff that happened. And then I came back home, the end, right? Or you can make it smaller, but that's usually the way that pretty much every single story we tell has that pattern. Okay. So let me see. So what does that why, mean? Like, yeah, maybe what I can does, tell why you what, does that matter? What does it like, mean? Why does yeah. it matter? All right. So the reason why it matters is that you realize that the way in which we interact with each other is also like that. So the way that I interact, the way that we interact, like if I interact with you, there is a pattern to that. It's not arbitrary. I can't just say anything and I can't just do anything. There are certain things which bind our interactions. And that's true of a conversation. It's true, let's say, let's say of a family meal. Right? A family meal has a pattern. It doesn't, it can't go anyway. If you if you do something crazy at the, the dinner table, you'll ruin dinner. Right. If you throw your fork on the floor, you ruin dinner. There's a million things you can do to ruin dinner, but we don't. We're able to, to, to participate almost like a dance in this pattern. And that scales up. So you can imagine like you have these patterns, your interactions with people have these patterns, your family dinner, your community. But that goes all the way up to something that which would look like religious rituals. That is that religious rituals, once you see that the world works that way, the idea of religion doesn't become, it's not silly anymore. Not only is it not silly, it's inevitable. You realize that the world actually lays itself out through rituals and patterns and symbols and stories, and there's no way out of it. And that scales up to something which would look like, let's say for Christians, would look like the mass or the liturgy where we have a pattern of interaction, where we all 
sing together. We all look towards something which is beyond us to unite us together. There's all this movement, these movements that we do that are not in any way superstitious or arbitrary, but they're completely coherent. And they are the, the highest image of you putting on your socks in the morning, right? Anything you do is pattern. Any, everything you do is a play between a pattern and, and let's say the potential, the, the moment in which you're playing. Like if you're brushing your hair, you don't brush your hair in any way. You have to brush your hair in a certain way. And there's variability, but you can't, if you, if, if you brush your hair with a, with a knife, it's not going to work. You're going to break the pattern. So you have to, so you realize that the world is ritualized and patterned. And then what it helps us, at least I think it helps us reconnect to a bunch of stuff that people have tossed out and have told us is meaningless and stupid and superstitious. Um, and it can help us, it can help us reconnect to those things in a, I think in a, maybe a little more, uh, more conscious way, but a way that can help solve the problem of meaninglessness and disenchantment and, uh, nihilism that is around us. Okay. So I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to have to sit on that for a bit. I think I've, I had a weird experience. I had a crazy experience this summer where that's what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why we're talking yeah. is I got criticized because I said, I found God. And apparently you're not supposed to say that, but who, who said you're not supposed to say, I don't that? know pe people on the internet. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the YouTube comments. <laughs> uh, but I think, so you're talking about, so I think what did it for me was there were too many. I'm very, I'd like to think of myself as like logical, very logical. So I've tried to put the world into, I've tried to understand the world through science and facts and kind of devoid of intuition. And I think I learned that from my dad and it took me a while to build back the intuition side and to actually take that seriously because I thought, well, if you can't figure it out in your head, then it's not real, which is completely overestimating your ability to figure things out. Uh, but I think this, I think part of what did it for me this summer was that things that was this pattern that you're talking about. Right. And I kind of tuned into it. Like there, well, you know, what's been going on with my family it has been completely absurd, but there have been things that have happened that are just too weird to explain any other way. Like when my mom, when mom was sick, she, it was like being in a movie. Like my entire life has been being like being in a movie, which I, you could say is like being in a story. But when my mom got sick, she knew the day she was going to get better. And it was like, well, that's not, you can literally can't explain that. Nobody could explain it. None of the doctors could explain it. And it was mom and dad's anniversary. And so everybody in my family was just kind of like, huh, well, put that in the pile of things we just cannot understand at all. So that, that occurrence has just been like, like, I've just been thinking about that, just being like, how do I understand that in a logical way? And then when my dad got sick, so he, he was reacting to the medications he was put on terribly in that was January. I thought this is going to be awful. I had this weird feeling like this is going to be absolutely awful, absolutely awful for two years. Right. And I was like, I can run away because I was considering moving. I was like, I could just, <laughs> this is really difficult. We didn't know what to do. This is really bad. Mm. I was like, I could just run away or it's going to take two years and it's just going to be like crippling. 
And I was like, okay, I can do that. This is two years, right? Out of a lifetime, we can do two years. And then it was like spot on where things were really awful and then everything just fixed themselves. And so those two things happened. And then there were just too many things like that that happened that felt like I've been, I don't know, living in a story. And so I don't know if that like aligns with anything you said because I'm having a difficult time exactly understanding what you mean. But does that make sense at all? No, it makes sense. I think that... <clears throat> Think that most people have these moments and it's true that it often happens you can understand that that, that this pattern of reality it's 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 actually reasonable but it always points towards something which is a little bit beyond itself like beyond reason you could say so often we have these crazy experiences we could call them miracles or we could call them yeah that reveal to us something which is a little which is beyond what's going on in everyday life. Like it, it seems to kind of connect everything together yeah. in a way that is very difficult to fully account for uh, at the lower level. Uh, and I think, I really believe that this is just, this is just how the world works. Like this is not a, this is really how reality works. Like reality is made with meaning. Like you could say that a good way to understand is that God really does fill up the world. And there are moments where we can have these, these things just, completely come together and you, you, you have a sense that not only a sense, but it's like a, your whole being is carried up, let's say for a moment. And it doesn't always last very long. You know, some people last longer, you know, thank goodness for them. But for most of us, it's like a moment where you feel carried up and you're like, okay, I can't deny that. Like I can't deny what's happened. Um, and so what is it that, what was your experience of saying that you found God? Like what, like, how did it, how did it, like, so you, you talk about your mom and everything, but in your life, like, what did that mean? Like, what did that mean in terms of experience? Well, so that happened with my mom and then, um, she started practicing Catholicism. Right. And I thought that was very strange because she got really into it really quickly, right. From not being into it at all. Kind of, you know, she's always had a little bit, she wanted us to go to church a bit, but it was never really part of our family life. So I was like, okay, mom's part of a cult. And it looked like that. From the outside, it did. Even dad was a little, it wasn't just Catholicism. It was some people she was around and we were like, this looks like a cult. But, but, but she also started become, she became a lot more empathetic and a lot more patient and it was noticeable. And so I was talking to her about it and just like, how did you get there? She was like, oh, well, I, you know, God, like, okay, I don't understand that what that means. Uh, and so it's been about, about a year of me being open to the idea, but not understanding what that meant or what that felt like. Uh, and then in August, dad was, dad was really sick in August and it was really scary and too many bad things were happening at the same time. It was like, if things could go wrong, they were going wrong in every area. And it was like, this is way too much. This is like, this doesn't make sense. It's, mm. there's too much bad luck happening at the same time. Yeah. So, um, there was that I was navigating a divorce, which was bad, but it was, everything else was so much worse that that was not even the bad part of my life. So that, so it, it's just been brutal for a couple of years. Mm. And, and, um, I went away 
for like a week um, when, when dad was a bit, he was a bit stable, um, but I needed a, to just have a bit of time. And I went away and I met somebody who was like, how are you doing? And I was, cause I had talked a bit about what I was going through about my parents being sick and like my job and the media and dad and divorce and everything. And he was like, how are you holding up? And I was like, oh, I'm not holding up. Like, I'm not holding up. I'm not depressed, but I'm not holding up. Things are awful, right? Like, I'm crying every day, but it's not depression. It's just things are really bad. And he was like, well, you need God. And I was like, okay, that's great. That sounds fantastic. What do I do? And he said, just, so this, I don't even know how, why this happened exactly, but he just said, um, ask him to reveal himself to you. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. So I went home and was like begged because I was in rough shape. I got to the point this summer where things were so bad and I couldn't do anything to, to solve them. And I was like, what do I do now? If I've tried every route, like every way possible to solve some of these problems and there's nothing else I can do, what do I do? And that's when I started praying. So I, I had to get to that point and it took a while. Um, but anyway, so I went home and so I was praying and the next day, like a bunch of the, all of the major issues that I had switched directions. So they didn't just go away, but things that I wanted to happen and I could see happening, but weren't happening just all happened the same day. And I, I was, that was like, that was it. I was like, okay. So that was wild. And then well, I've been reading the Bible and just trying to learn what I can. Um, I had some other, I had some other strange experiences, but that's part of the reason I ha I'm having you on because this mm -hmm. is pretty new. Even though yeah. Dad is my dad, like he comes through this from a psychological perspective and a meaning perspective, and whatever I'm experiencing now isn't exactly what he's taught me growing up. I think. Yeah. Um but it's it it's related in a way like it's related Definitely. in the sense that you know i mean jordan talks about the idea of of going down into the the whale like pinocchio going down or the father kind of going down the death yeah. of the father but you don't necessarily have to understand it exactly in the sense of the death of the father but you can understand it as a world that is an old world that's crumbling let's say or something that all these things that are kind of crumbling and then there's a sense in which when that, you know, the idea you, you, you hear this about, let's say alcoholic, right? It's like you hit rock bottom, right? You've heard that, ex, that, ex, that expression, but that doesn't necessarily, it's not something that happens just with addiction. It's something that can happen in many ways. But is it when we descend and things start to break down, it's very painful. But then what happens at the bottom is you get, uh, you get something like uh, an inkling of a new world or something like a light, that appears in the in the cavern and you know and sometimes it can this is people are going to especially scientifically minded people will find this weird but sometimes the way that you describe it is exactly right which is that you know things everything is going wrong and then all of a sudden they realign yeah things realign right the idea of finding meaning but it's not finding meaning isn't just a subjective thing that is meaning reveals itself to you like things snap and then it gives you a direction uh, now, I mean, obviously, this is within August. So obviously, you, it's important to understand that that won't necessarily last, like that experience. You know, it's there to show you what's possible, 
in your life. And then later on, you're going to have a lot of problems and it's going to, it's going to happen again. Like it's, even if you found God and you, let's say you kind of enter on that path where you pray and you kind of try to transform your life. I mean, it doesn't mean that it's all going to be aligned that way all the time. It's more like a, it's almost like an inkling of what's possible is shown to you. So you can like a, like a glimmer to say like, Oh, okay, this is it. Like I need to move in this direction. Uh, but then there's a lot more pain, you know, along the way, nonetheless. I actually, when I, so I'm on this like meat diet, right? When I, in 2015, when I went off of my medication and put myself into remission and got better, that was the first time I didn't associate it with God, but that was the first time when I could feel like I, I, I felt for my entire life that I just was the embodiment of bad luck somehow. I was like, why is it that everything I do, I have to do four times in order for it to kind of succeed? Mm. It was ridiculous. And even my parents commented on it. They're just like, things work out for Julian. But everything you do, whatever could go wrong, goes wrong. And so I just lived my life like that. It was just like, it was awful. I kind of got used to it. You never get used to that. It's still frustrating. Um, mm. And then I, I got better and I had that shift where it was just like my world flipped upside down and I associated it with health. I was just like, is this what it feels like to be healthy? But it was a really physical feeling of going in the wrong direction and then having things switch mm -hmm. and things were just working out. I was on time all the time. Like if I missed an assignment, there'd be a delay. And when it was due, it was things that didn't make sense. Right. And so that was the first time I experienced that. And then I went off of my antidepressants. Those were the last things I stopped taking. And I lost that. And then everything was awful again for mm. a number of years. And I just had these like, so I, it's been confusing because I've been able to like logic. I've been able to think about it in a logical way where I've been like, well, this is what happened. And that's why I had those feelings. So like I went off of the SSRIs and I had SSRI withdrawal. And so I was depressed and not being depressed is when I'm in this like alignment. Mm. But then it's just gotten too weird. And I haven't been depressed for so long, but I've still had these feelings of being in alignment or whatever that means or going in the wrong direction. And so now, now I'm a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you involved in a community of some kind? Like, are you going to church? We're, we're starting to. Okay. So we've been to a couple of churches. Uh, I haven't found one that clicked. Like the, the thing that clicked. So dad came to visit. He's still here. He's in Nashville. And last Sunday we went to, it was actually, it was a gospel kind of group of people. So they were singing in one of the bars on Broadway. So that's what we did Sunday. But that made me cry. Like they, they sing a song and then they talk a little bit. And then they sing a song and talk a little bit. So there was something there, like something there that really spoke to me. Uh, so we're just hopping around trying to find a place. Mostly what I've been doing is praying and reading the Bible. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, I mean, it's, I think it's, I can see in your eyes, like just how, <laughs> like how kind of confused and wide-eyed you are, which is, which is actually pretty wonderful to, 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 to see that. Uh, you know, I think that you'd, how can I say this? Like there is also a sense in which the, how can I say this? It's like, at least what you're describing, you seem to have these extremes, you know, and I think, yeah, I think Jordan is, is, has, has a little bit of that too. It's like the, 
And so you have to be a little, I mean, you definitely have to be a little careful because it's, it's almost like a, like imagine a, um, someone who's manic depressive, like someone who has a bipolar, you know, someone who's bipolar, but it's not this, there's other types of bipolarity that aren't just psychological. That is, there are people whose lives are bipolar, you could say, you can see. And so you, you, if you're attentive to that, you can maybe uh, also try to moderate it a bit and also try not to ride the, when you're up and you're aligned, try to be careful not to ride it too high because that's not, that's also, it's all. It's also not necessarily the best way to go if if that makes sense to you, because okay. because that leads to another down. I don't know if if you. I I don't know I, how else to explain it to you. That's going to be harder to for me to explain. Which is does that, it have to lead to another down? No, it doesn't, it doesn't feel but, like it's yeah, going to have lead to, to another down. I think I think the best thing to do is to. I mean, the best thing is to try to moderate the experience, like moderate your direction. You could say. Um, but I don't like, it's, it's hard to explain because it's very existential. Um, but it's like, if you, if you, if you get that alignment and you start to write it and you become, and everything's perfect and you become, you can imagine it this way, like everything's perfect and everything's going well. And it's like, yeah, a good way to, a good Christian way to explain it would be that then you forget to pray. Like that would be a good way to a Christian way to, to, to explain it is that you, you get that alignment and then you start going up the hill and it's like, everything's good and everything's fine and everything's working. And it feels like you're on top of the world. Um, and then you forget to pray because you pray when you're at the bottom. Cause, cause you're suffering. Cause that's why you pray when you're down there. And so it's like, when you're going up, then you stop praying because you're going up uh, and that's the danger. So the idea, so you could say something like moderating the experience with, with prayer Okay. And worship is is part of it where you're you give up you you're giving up your success at what you're doing up to something above you so yeah. that it doesn't so, so yeah. that it doesn't carry you too high. Okay, I think and I don't want to like be boastful or anything, but I I'm hoping that I've been walloped enough times <laughs> that when things are when things are good I don't get used to that. It's mm. shocking. I'm like, this is completely different than anything I've experienced. And there's no way that this was me. Right. So I think I'm hoping I can stay um, like humble during those experiences. Mm. Because, because, and I, I, I think maybe, well, I think that's also partly what brought me to where I am now because the good experiences were also totally unbelievable. Yeah. Whereas like things can be so bad, it doesn't make sense, but they're also so good that it d- didn't make sense too. So that's not me. <laughs> well, I think it actually is you. It seems that that's actually you. Like you seem to, at least the way you're describing to me, you seem to attract extremes. Uh, and so it's, it's bound to, if you extract the, if you attract the extreme in one direction, there's a, there's a high chance that you'll attract it in the other direction too, you know? Um, and so that's why I guess that's why I said just to be careful, but I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I mean, I think it's great that, that you, that you had that experience and that you're also acting on it. Right. Uh, because you could have just left it and said, oh, okay, here's this experience and then move on with your life. Yeah. No, it was like, I can't can't do that. There's no way. Yeah. And so are you able to talk about it with, with your family? Yeah. I mean, I talked about it, like I said, when the first time when I, I thought 
felt things aligned, I associated it with a switch in health. And that is part of why I was feeling better. But it, it was like on another level. Uh, and I talked to my family about it. And then when I, there's some other weird things that have happened. When I went, but that I've also been able to say, well, maybe it was because of this. So when I um, went off of SSRIs, I had SSRI withdrawal and I got sensitive to light and sound and like touch and, um, and carbs. So like sugars and chemicals, it was awful. And it lasted for about two and a half years really intensely. But the first time I had a severe reaction, I talked about this on Rogan. I was like, I had a whole bunch of soy and my body was really unhappy with it. And I got itchy. My digestion was upset and I got arthritis. I got mouth ulcers. Like my whole body was very, very angry. My skin broke out. And two and a half days later, I hallucinated a demon on my brother. And I was like, okay, you know, that happened. I was like, okay, that, that looked real. It was like one and a half seconds long. So it wasn't just a flash. It was like, I looked, it looked at me and then looked away. And I tried not to have a panic attack and was like, okay, I've gone off of my medications and now I'm crazy. Like, great. <laughs> that's, that's the most logical explanation here. But I was like, no, it seems to coincide with this soy reintroduction. It's some sort of inflammatory response, like whatever. But I had similar experiences with like faces, really terrifying, like teeth faces off and on for about a year. Every time I tried to reintroduce a food that my body didn't like, I'd have a like full blown autoimmune response and I'd start seeing these like demon faces. Mm -hmm. But I just thought, okay, that's the representation of what people are most scared of, like a predator. And so when I'm having these depressive reactions, which are an autoimmune response, and my body starts panicking, then it's putting something there that's scary to kind of justify how I'm feeling. Yeah. So that, that's what I thought. But then after, you know, that happens 10 times and then a whole bunch of other weird things happen, at some point you're like, well, are they demons? Maybe. Like, I don't know what's going on. So, <laughs> I mean, okay, so. I don't know, Jonathan. Let me, let me mess, I don't know what's real anymore. With, let me mess with you a little more, if you don't mind, with your mind a little bit. So, the, the, the mechanical cause, cause of these things, that is like, you say, I took this food, I, I you know, I had this thing, something could be like, I, I didn't sleep enough or yeah. whatever, like the mechanical yeah. causes doesn't, doesn't uh, take away from the meaning of the experience, right? And so you saw, like you said, you saw a demon. And so there is a maybe a mechanical cause for the reason why you see a demon. But the demon you see, you recognize it as a demon. Mm -hmm. But you didn't see a flower. You didn't see <laughs> a watermelon. You saw a demon. And so that's a real thing. Right. The, the, the type of image that we associate with demons are real. They, they're objective. You, they're, not, uh, they're not arbitrary. And they have to do, like you said, with, uh, with monstrosity. They have to do with evil intention. They have to do with all these things. Now, what I would say, what I would say to you is, of course, you have to be careful not to let yourself get sucked into that. Because... Even, even if you read saints or if you read uh, ascetics or if you read kind of holy people, right, they'll, they'll tell you not to be seduced, let's say, by, by this, these kind of demonic apparitions. But it doesn't mean that they're, that they're just, 
the idea, when anybody tells you like it's just a hallucination, yeah, that, that these are those are meaningless words because the the just what is this just? You see something and it has meaning, and so you have to be able to engage it that way and then deal with it that way, you know. And so, um, and it's the same with all the other things you happen happen to you. Like let's say you start to see positive things happen to you. And so you say, well, I can explain the causality of all the positive things happening to me, but you're still able to see and experience and participate in these positive things that are happening to you. And that's objectively taking you out of your rut, let's say. And so the idea that, let's say, the idea that these meaningful things happen to you, that something comes from heaven is a good way to, to say it. Like there's something coming down to you from heaven uh, doesn't at all contradict the it has nothing to do with the mechanical causalities. I don't know if I, it's hard to explain it this way. It's like, um, so, so let's say you see these demons, right? So you see these demons, what, what could seeing these demons do to you? Well, right, it could make it scare you. Stop. They'll terrify, terrifying. Yeah. It was terrifying. And it stopped me from, you i don't even i don't even know what the purpose of that was like i have no idea scaring you terrifying. scaring you is 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 enough how can i say that scaring you is enough because you you see what's you see what's possible let's say that is that is you could become that and you probably know that 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 the or the people the, the world around you could become that what yeah. you're, what you're seeing in that hallucination, the world could become that it's a, it's, you know, it's an imagistic version of something which is, which exists. Like you said, this, this, this evil that's in you, that's in others, that's around us, you perceive it. It's, it's a real thing. And so the idea that it would scare you is enough, scary enough to say, I don't want that. <laughs> I, this this sounds like the dumbest thing that someone could say, but it's 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 if you if you take just a moment <laughs> to understand it, you'll see that it's actually quite uh, it's it's actually quite meaningful to say I don't want that, and 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 to to start to to make little movements, little gestures towards prayer, you could say, so that you so that you can be realigned. I don't know if that makes sense. It's hard to talk yeah. about this stuff in a way, especially for like more scientifically minded people to understand, but I try. No, this is good. This is good. I can see why you and my dad are talking because he's more scientifically minded, but you're not as far over to whatever the other side is as some people are. Well, I try to bridge, bridge I try gap. to bridge the yeah. story world. And and a more something which is compatible with psychology, compatible with a lot of the way people think today. Uh, but like when someone, like if someone tells you, like a, a very kind of literalist, uneducated person tells you, like don't do that, you'll go to hell. They're they're usually telling the truth, right? It's usually true that if you engage in certain, it depends. Sometimes they can get they can get it wrong in the details, but there are things you can do. And there are ways you can be, and there are ways you can engage with others that will tend you towards hell, you could say, where you will have worse experiences. Um, and then there are ways to be and ways to engage with others, which will bring you up. 
Um, and so not everybody is a, not everybody has those experiences more immediately the way that you had, which is like seeing demons and then seeing miracles. Like a lot of people don't have those experiences, you know, but they're possible. They're definitely possible. And the, they feed the imagistic world. They feed, right? The stuff, the thing you saw when you saw someone, like when you saw a demon appear, let's say, that's, I mean, that's what horror ma- movies are made of. They're made mm. of those experiences. People have those experiences. They're real They're, And then they make stories out of them. But yeah. So I wouldn't be too freaked out about it because there are some people that are more sensitive to these kinds of experiences. Um, but it, it usually means that you might be more sensitive to the higher experiences too. Like you might have more, let's say, elated experiences uh ahead of you possibly well that seems that seems to be true hopefully more than the demon experiences those are unpleasant so why if there are ways you can act in order to align yourself properly i guess we could speak like that something like that why would those kind of bad experiences like and a more hellish version of life exist for children if they're like what what's with that yeah what I'm going to say is going to be, uh, it's hard because I don't want to diminish suffering. Uh, but so let's take you because I'm talking to you that I could say, I could tell you that without that, you, you wouldn't have had that, ex- that experience. Yeah. So it just and takes time. It's just that suffering is suffering is can become uh for some if if you're able to align it like if you're able to embody it properly suffering can become an opportunity for transformation and op- an opportunity for something which is uh higher you could say and so that's why that's actually one of the differences between the way Christians tend to see disability or, or, or suffering, uh, compared to some other traditions, which is that we, there's a story, you know, where Christ heals a blind person and, um, people ask him like, why is he blind? Is it because his parents sinned? Is it because he sinned? Like what evil happened so that this person be blind and Christ heals him. But his answer is even more important. He says, no, this person is blind to show the glory of God. That is that there's something about suffering that it can be transformed into into something greater, um, you know. And I think like I I remember uh, I remember Jordan having an intuition of that once when we were in Montreal and we were going to see the uh, the totem pole uh, that was uh, put up by his his uh, his brother, you know, and uh, and he he said that that he had suffered quite a bit and that that suffering had been refined into gold. And that's what his art was basically. And had so I was Ch- like, Jordan Charles was Charles, yeah, Charles. The one who said that he, Jordan said that about Charles. Oh, to, wow. Yeah. yeah. He said, he said his suffering, he suffered a lot. Like he really suffered, but that, that suffering has been kind of transformed into beauty, transformed into something that is higher. And so not everybody's an artist, but you can, you can see um, 
with if you've met people that have suffered a lot, and I'm someone who actually hasn't suffered much, but like if, if you meet people that have suffered a lot and they have um, suffered well, I don't know how else to say it, or suffered yeah. in a way that is like a, a yes, I don't know how, like a, they tend to have a specific magic about them, which is hard to describe, right? They tend to have a kind of glory a kind of a, a kind of uh, something about them which is hard to which which transcends the normal world, and so I think that that's you know it's not that God causes suffering is that is that suffering you know the Christian way to describe it that suffering is part and parcel of the world of the fall right and that in yeah. the world of the fall suffering is is our is the thing we need to deal with, but that God is able to transform suffering into something else. Okay. And that's what, that's what the cross is. Like that's what Jesus on the cross means that, that it's God transforming suffering into something which is more. Um, so, but it's hard to talk about. Cause it's like, I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to, to delegitimize suffering or I'm trying to diminish uh, this type of suffering that people live. But I think that, I, at least in my experience, when I met people that have suffered and have endured or transcended, they are way more um, than people that haven't. I would say also if, like I've, I've suffered quite a bit and I think the only way this was before any type of Christianity, how I kind of figured it out and I thought, the only way that that could be worth it, whatever worth it means, um, would be if other people don't have to experience it, right? If, if I just quantified it and I could help other people not experience that, then it would even out. It'd be like, whatever that meant. And so that, that's how I kind of figured it out. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to understand it. And you can see it like at, at many, many levels where, you know, like who's the person helping out alcoholics the most? It's always an ex-alcoholic, right? Who's the person helping, uh, you know, abuse victims? Who's the person helping people who suffer? It's usually someone who has suffered. And so there's a way that you can see that, like it really is this image of, of transforming suffering into blessing, transforming suffering into something else, uh, which is actually manifesting the, the compassion, uh, God's compassion in the world through, uh, through us. Right. Uh, we always think that we always ask ourselves, like, why is God doing this? Or why is God not doing this? And the answer is we are the body, like we are the body of the of the, the divine in the world. We are the hands and feet and the of God. And so it's through us that those things happen. So that's that's I think that that's that's the best way to see it. Why do you think, these, and I, I don't know if anybody can actually answer these questions, but why is it that some people can, I guess, like come to God so easily compared to other people? Like, I feel like I had to see some crazy things before I was like, okay, that makes sense. But some people are just like, no, I've believed it since I was a kid. And I know you can grow up in families that believe, but not everybody in a family that believes grows up and believes. But why do you think it? some people are just like, yep, no, it makes sense. And other people are like, there's, you just don't get it at all. 
don't know. I don't know how to, I didn't totally answer that question. You know, uh, like I, I think, I mean, it, I think there are probably a whole host of reasons, like a whole, a whole host of, uh, and so especially it's, it's, I think that it's mostly true that what you're saying is mostly true now. Like it's, you know, it's not, I don't think it would have been so true in a world where most people were Christian. This is, it's kind of weirdly true in a world that's very atheistic and kind of very secular where people uh, somehow think that they're living outside of this pattern that we described and, but they're Mm -hmm. wrong. Right. And they think that they're living outside of it. Uh, in a more normal world, people would always know that they're kind of inside this giant, let's say, pattern that's moving up towards the infinite. But but for us, we tend to be think that we can live outside it, and so so I think that it all it is also like a, a manifest. It's it has something to do with the modern world. It has something to do with our kind of secular world. Where, but I think that world is ending really yeah. fast. By the way, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're on the cusp of, uh, of like major transformations in terms of how the religious is pouring back into reality. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, 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 I, it's something that it's something that I intuited a, a while ago. And, and, and to be honest, like I, I intuited that your dad was going to participate in that. And so despite himself, despite not being a particularly religious person himself, like, it's pretty much playing itself out, uh, but it's also playing itself out for ill. Like it's not only for good. There's a lot of the religious things uh, seeping back in that are pretty dark. Um, and so you can see like in the in, in a lot of the COVID stuff, there's a lot of religious religiosity oh, in the way I that see. people deal with, with COVID, in the way that people deal with woke culture. It's becoming more and more religious in its instantiations. And so, uh, so it's, so I, I would say like reenchantment is kind of happening for the for the dark and the and the light part of it. Um, so hopefully we can participate in the light part of it. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. I think you're right though. I mean, if you intuited that like around you, notice that all of a sudden people, all these people are suddenly people who never could have even thought about God or religion or prayer. And all of a sudden it's like it's all of a sudden it's possible. Like the things that I'm telling you 10 years ago, no one would have even understood what I was talking about. A lot of the stuff that we're now able to talk about, it just would have been complete gibberish to the Dawkins type 10 years ago. And so now all of a sudden this whole world is opened up and then you, you, you realize, you see all these people, you know, just all of a sudden it just becomes obvious that they need to have some kind of, religious uh practice they need to be connected to community they need to be connected to something higher than themselves so yeah that's wild okay i have i had a list of questions we didn't get to any of them but one of the things i've been so i've been reading the bible and praying and being and also kind of trying to research because i don't really know any of the background on christianity or what the difference between Catholics and Protestants are. I was just like, I know, you know, Catholics have the Pope. Like I'm really starting from a base level, pretty much base level. Yeah. I was Googling what's the difference between all the different denominations and, and all that. So dad told me, uh, that you grew up in a Catholic family. 
but switched I, to Orthodox. I grew up in a in a Protestant, like in a Baptist evangelical, oh. evangelical family. Okay, and then I became and, Orthodox. Yeah. Okay, so what what's the difference between those two? What does Orthodox mean? <laughs> what does Orthodox mean? So I don't. I want to be careful not. To, I want to try not to offend pe- too many people because obviously this becomes prickly when you start trying to describe what other people uh, believe. And so, yeah. um, so orthodoxy is more uh, ritualized, you could say. And so it's more like a Catholic church. If you if you would go into an orthodox church, for example, it's singing the whole time, and uh, you know the the priests have vestments that are symbolic. The, there are paintings on the walls that are symbolic. There, everything they do is almost like a a dance of uh, a worshipful dance, you could say. And uh, so that's in terms of experience. That's what you would probably see the difference when you walked into an Orthodox church. There'll be icons. There'll be uh, there'll be censors. There'll be like s- smoke rising up with like with like uh, smells and be candles. So it's like it has this kind of ritual embodied aspect and. Evangelicals and Protestants are more informal. They tend to emphasize the informal more, right? Like uh, God, you know, I can talk to God anytime I want. I can, you know, it's like God, Jesus is my friend, that type of way of, of seeing it where, you know, it's, and it's more testimonies. And so, so it's in the experience, that's usually for someone who doesn't know anything about, let's say, the differences, that's how you would probably experience the difference. Um, so let's say, uh, evangelicals and kind of Protestants tend to emphasize, uh, personal experience, personal testimony, um, store, you know, uh, the idea of, uh, sin also, right. Like God saved me from my sins. Uh, whereas in the Orthodox, in the Orthodox tradition, um, it's more about, it's more about this kind of coming together in worship and participating in something that is beyond you. and becoming mm. let's say the, the body of christ in that way uh so that's the that's the experience but then in terms of oh, theology like there's a bunch of stuff like i'm sure you don't you don't necessarily want to get into that to that right away but you i mean at some point it's i think you just need to move slowly and at some point you'll start to to kind of see and understand the the differences let's say i don't like moving slowly in regards to anything well then you can read books like <laughs> it's be- probably better to read books than to go online too much because man on the online okay. world is a it's a mess. Okay. Do you, have, mess. do you have book suggestions then? And I also, after this, I want to ask you what the difference between Catholicism is and yeah. why is it that Protestants don't believe some of the Catholic books? I have so many questions, but first, hey there, sorry to interrupt the episode, but I stay working because of these ads and I love Schwank grills. You probably know I'm very experienced at cooking meat because of my diet. So I really know what I'm talking about, to put it bluntly. Schwenk grills are some of the best in the market. Schwenk's heating technology has been used by the world's best steakhouses since the 1980s. These portable American-made grills reach 1500 degrees Fahrenheit without smoking, are super easy to clean, and get you high-quality, steakhouse-worthy steaks in about three minutes. You know when it's crispy, but medium-rare and juicy underneath? Mired reactions if you want to sound fancy. But it's not just steaks. You can make just about anything on these grills. Chicken, hamburgers, veggies. It's even got a pizza stone for pizza eaters, which applies to most people, I realize. Head to schwankgrills.com today and get $150 off a Schwank 1500 degree grill when using promo code MP at checkout. 
Again, that's $150 off over at Schwank Grills. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K grills.com with code MP at checkout. Everything's in the description linked. Enjoy the rest of the episode. What, what book should I read? Uh, well, it depends for what, like, what do you, what would you want to, 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 to understand? Like, let's say, what are you looking for? I think I'd probably be interested in understanding how people connect with God, how people think they connect with God. Cause you just said there's differences between say orthodoxy and and Protestants. And I think what I'm more familiar with is Protestantism. I think that's what I'm That's what you mostly know. And so let's say the Orthodox tradition, the the Catholic church, Orthodox even more so is more, it's more mystical. It, It doesn't tend to talk about our interaction with God in a manner that is, um, that's like a conversation. It's like, I'm talking to God. And then you have these answers in your life. Uh, your orthodoxy tends to have this notion that you need to be transformed and you, you kind of, uh, you become God by participation, you, you, you know, through prayer, through certain types of, of, uh, to asceticism, through trying to kind of remove yourself from your passions, then you actually are transformed into something Mm. more than yourself. Um, And so that's a little bit of a difference in terms of, let's say the way that people connect with God, and it's going to look differently. It's going to look differently. So, so that's why there'll be less in, in the kind of, especially the modern evangelical services, you know, the, let's say the, the songs, they sound like pop songs. They sound like love songs, basically, but they talk about God like they would in a pop song. Uh, and that's something that you wouldn't find that they in a, in the Catholic church or the Orthodox church, where there's more of this reverence and this sense of, you know, that God is really, uh, is, 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 is beyond us and is above us and is bringing us up into him, you know, something like that. Um, I've, I know people in the YouTube comments are going to get super annoyed with the way I'm describing this. Cause you know, everybody it's like, it's, that's why I said, it's hard to talk about other people's, uh, other people's thing, but I can send you like, there's a book called, uh, called the it's in terms of orthodoxy. There's a little book called the Orthodox way, which is a, a, a not very long. Uh, and it's a book that kind of explains, um, this kind of mystical approach to, to, to the faith, you know, and how it connects to, to us today. Um, so so yeah, you can look that up. I can send you a link if you want. Okay. That would be good. I've just, I've been talking to some, I've been talking to like very lots of people about this and I'll come across people and there'll be, you know, different denominations or Catholic or, you know, something. And they'll be like, oh no, this is the way, this is the way because of, you know, X. And yeah. It, some, there's some there's theological an overlap, thing. but yeah. I'm but, trying to not go into theology too much with you just because it's like, a, it, I think, I really dislike, I dislike arguing about religion. I would rather try to help you. I'd rather give you ways to kind of see the, the beauty of the Christian tradition and the beauty that's there. Um, but uh, there are other people who definitely will try to convince you. So, yeah, there's gotta be some good, like uh, some, I mean, what, even the differences you just described. Couldn't, and couldn't it be some, couldn't it be both? Yeah, could it it not could, be yeah definitely. But it tends, it, I'm just giving you kind of basic, uh, let's say basic directions, you could say. And so the, the, the let's say the, the, Protestant, the Protestant church is really a fruit of the modern world. Like it's, it's, it has, it's very modern in everything that about it, the way that it, 
it understands God, the way that it understands uh, the world, the way that it the way that it t- does worship. All of this is very modern, whereas let's say the Catholic Church and the Orthodox Church, they are more they're kind of it's like a stream which comes down from millennia, and the sense of connection between all these different generations, and that we kind of receive what is uh, before us, and this kind of participation in the stream. So that will definitely affect uh, everything about it. So, right, so the the Catholic and the Orthodox especially, like they'll talk about the 4th century as if they're still there. They'll talk about the 10th century as if they're still there. For them, all of this is part of their experience. Like all of these these great uh, Christians that have really showed us God and have manifested love and, and, and God in the world, we see them as kind of our ancestors that we, that we, that we continue their, their, their story. Um, and so that'll definitely, whereas the, the evangelical Protestant will say, how can we adapt Christianity? How can we reach out to people, right? It's like, we want to do it in a way that people will understand. And so they'll tend to adapt Christianity to popular forms. That's why it sounds like a, that's why it's a concert. That's why it's, it's, it's jazzy or it's, you know, it's like, it looks like something you would see at a show because they're more focused on how can we adapt this to, to people and to the modern world. So it's just different. It really definitely different approaches. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to have, what you should probably do is you should probably go physically let's say to a Catholic church and then go physically to find an Orthodox church in English and go, and then go to an evangelical church, like take, give yourself a few months uh, to, to see, because it's, because it's uh we can talk about it, but it's not the same as going and having the experience of the, of the space and the people and the, the type of worship and the type of. Uh... That's gotta be super dependent on the church though. Right. I know I've, I've been to, I remember this was before I'd, I don't even know what you call it. What do you call it? Tuned in? Like, yeah, <laughs> this is before I tuned in. I yeah. went to a couple of um, church services with my mom and they, I was little. So maybe I was just too little to be like, be able to pay attention. But I remember just like, I was, that was not for me at all. It was like, this is like one of them I think was Catholic. And it was just like, there's just, I'm just, there's nothing of that speaks to me at all. There's somebody talking. I don't understand. There's no emotion, right? So I think, wouldn't that be very dependent on where you'd go? Like there, there must be better. Oh, for sure. I mean, for sure there are better versions of every single type of church. That's, that's for certain. Uh, But in general, you'll still have a basic uh, experience of the difference. So for example, like if you, for sure, if you go to a liturgical church, like a church that has a more ritualized form, then there'll be less um, extreme emotion. That's for sure, like 100%. It'll be more contemplative. It'll be more kind of this, this standing in silence, you know, and kind of contemplating the mystery, you know, a kind of approaching uh, slowly and also being attentive to your thoughts, trying to, to kind of move in, you know, and not be distracted. All of that is the type of experience you'll have. If you go to a more, uh, like I'd say, a more modern evangelical type church, then it'll be way more emotional because then you'll have a pop singer, a guy with a guitar. It'll be a rock concert. It'll be, it'll be, uh, you know, a really, um, 
a really dynamic speaker that's going to be super uh, involved. And so, yeah, it, it really does. Uh, it, 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 there is a difference for sure. But then for, or you said orthodoxy was more spiritual, right? Like, I think so. I think that it, it's more spirit. It's more mystical for sure. It has this mystical. It has a, it, it's a, it's a, it has this idea that you're to be transformed through attention, through uh, discipline, through, um, through prayer, through, uh, you know, and, and I mean, of course, also the love of others, like all of this kind of is this symphony, but if you go to an Orthodox church and you're expecting to be entertained, it's not going to happen. Like it's not, you're not going to be entertained because it's not meant to be entertaining. It's meant to make, it's meant to ask you to make a some, some, a little bit of an effort in order to be attentive and a little bit of an effort in order to participate, you know? Um, and so for example, like in, in a lot of Orthodox churches, there are no benches. You can't sit. You're not supposed to relax. You're supposed to be there and try to be attentive and to kind of be present rather than sit back and enjoy. You know, those are different stances. Um, and then for, okay, so um, Protestants too, probably. From but Protestants know, are, are so big. Like Protestants are so, the thing is, I want to be careful because like I'm now, when I say the way I'm talking about Protestants is really like modern evangelical churches that you'll probably find mostly in, the, in where you are in Tennessee, but there are some Protestant churches that are not like that, that are more formal, that are more uh, ritualized, that have more structure. So it really depends. Mm -hmm. yeah. Protestant churches, like once, once the, the, pro, the reformation happened, it's like scattered into thousands and thousands of little denominations. It was like a, it's like a thing falling on the ground and just exploding into like thousands of denominations. So, so it's hard to talk about Protestantism as one thing. It's like mm -hmm. thousands of things. Okay. Uh, so it's been an hour and I could talk for a very long time because I have a whole bunch more questions, but maybe- It's up we'll to you. I'm, I don't- Are I you like, free I, for a little bit longer? Yes, I am free. So yeah, we could go keep going. Okay, cool. Let's talk a little bit longer then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reformation. <laughs> Start with that. What exactly happened there? And the I've Reformation. looked this up before, but yeah, yeah, can you describe what? No, this is like you're. No, but that's I'm fine. Starting, like, I, I like... will very much. I'll mostly try not to be polemical because it's hard. Okay. Because I have my okay. perspective on the Reformation, and so the the Reformation is. So the church, let's say the the, the Christian church is is an institution, right? It, it's a it's a human institution, supposed to serve God, but sometimes, often, it doesn't, and so. It tends to, it tends to towards the, the, it tends down, let's say. So, so things get bad, people get corrupt, people start doing weird stuff. And then usually there's a wake up, a reformation, a little, a little reformation. And then it, it, it gets re realigned, you could say. And so in the, the history of the Catholic church, okay. the West, there are many of these reforms before the reformation, right? There's the Gregorian reform. There's a, there's the there's a Cluniac, the kind of Cluniac reform. There's these different like different reforms that happen where people are trying to like bring people back to the to the good stuff instead of the corruption and the chaos. And so during during a certain time, there was a lot of corruption and a lot of bad stuff happening. And then a monk uh, protested against that corruption. And this time it was different. Because this time, when because the church will will tend to 
censor those people. Like if someone tries to rock the boat, they'll be like, you know, stop rocking the boat. And so uh, Luther was censored by the, the church said, no, you're wrong. And they started arguing with him. And usually what will happen is there'll be arguments and arguments. And then at some point, the church will say, you can't stop, stop saying what you're saying, you know, and then there might be consequences if they don't. Um, but Luther aligned himself with princes in Germany and then was able to separate himself from the Catholic church. So that's the difference. You said printers. No, uh, with princes with like, Oh, princes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Princes. So princes, so different, uh, state, state actors in Germany were, were, and so he was able to separate himself from the church. And then what happened is that started to accelerate. And so they, they, they started to different reformers started to say their own thing. And they were fighting amongst reformers as well. And a lot of it had to do with the idea of uh, salvation by grace alone which is the idea that you're not saved by works. So it's okay. not what you do that saves you. It's, it's a, it's something, it's a gift from God. You get, you get the, God gives you salvation basically. And then, then the, then the reformers started to argue amongst themselves. And they also, it was also like a real Bible emphasis. So sola scriptura, right? Sola fide, sola gratia. So it was like, you're saved by faith alone. You're saved by grace alone. That is that it's God that saves you. And it happens through the means of trust in God mm -hmm. and faith. And then uh, the testimony of that is in the Bible. The Bible is the highest, okay. let's say, the highest revelation of God in the world or the revelation of God in the world. It's like the ultimate authority. So you can't go against the Bible. The Bible is the ultimate authority in the world. And so that, let's say that's the basis of the Reformation, you could say. But then the, the reformers start to argue, and then there starts to be state churches. And that's, that's, and that's the play out of the Reformation, is that some princes also use the Reformation as a political tool to uh, separate themselves and control the church. Then you have the Church of England, who the, that, that, or for, for who the head of the church is the, the king. And then you have the different churches different national churches that have that become state churches where the priests are actually state employees, basically. Right. And then out of that, you have people say, no, 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 that wasn't the point of the reformation. You can't have state churches. Like you, that's not the, that wasn't the point of what we're doing. And so they become more radical and they're like, no, we need to separate, we need to separate from that. And then you have Puritans and Anabaptists and people who are like, no, we don't want these state churches. We just want to be, the body of God and to be these churches. And so then they start to separate and then it's, then they fight amongst each other and then they separate and they fight amongst each other and they separate. And then at some point you have 10,000 denominations of Christians. Right. And so, so the reformation, that's basically, you could say the story of the reformation. Okay. Is there, but, so where you are, you'll meet mostly people that are children of the reformation. Yeah. Okay, where was I going with this next? It's a lot to think about. <laughs> so I tried to be oh, very objective. I yeah, do yeah. not agree with the Reformation. Like I think the Reformation I, I could, is a mistake. I'm I sure could, you could, could discern, but I tried to be, for all the Protestants watching this, I tried to be as objective <laughs> as I could be without, without pretending that I agree with it. I don't think the Reformation was good. 
okay, why don't you think the Reformation was good? Um, there are a few things. Like the, one is the one is the mess that was already kind of there, right? And so the idea that salvation is something that you can either win through works or that you could get freely through grace is already a problem. Like that's already a okay. problem. So when you start to argue that way, where it's like, how many good things can I do to be saved? Or then, oh no, I can't do enough good things to be saved. So God has to save me because I yeah. can't do enough good things to be saved, right? So it's like this, it's like a moralistic system. It's like a moralistic system of where you, it's like a where you do good to please God. It's like you have this daddy, and this daddy wants you to do good things, but you can't. And so he's like, you can't do the good things that you need to be in my, in my, my my world. And so what I'll do is I'll give it to you. Like I'll, I'll bring, you know, I'll, yeah, it's, it's an act of grace. Right. And so to me, that's the problem. So the problem of the reformation is, is, was, was a deeper problem was already a problem that was there in Europe at the time where it was this, this legalistic kind of arbitrary idea of doing good things to be good enough to go to heaven. And so, and so that's why I think, so I think the reformation is a problem, but it was not just the reformation. The, the church, the Catholic Church itself, was in a in a tough place because they had already set up this weird legal system, it's like weird legal system of like, you know, like the idea, for example, that if you do so many bad things and you go to purgatory for so many years and then you have to say you have to do so many things to like to to reduce the number of years in purgatory, yeah. like that. Where kind did of that thinking. come from? Is that that's not in the Bible somewhere, right? No, it well, it comes from the idea that it comes from it comes. It's a, it's a, um, how can I say this? It's a side effect of this kind of legal way of thinking about salvation, right? It's a, it's but a side effect you, of the- How do you explain that if it's not in the Bible in the first place? Well, see this, that's, uh, uh, again, one of the problems that happens is that the idea that the Bible is, this, is, the, is the only source of, of reality, let's say, or only source of truth, that's something that the reformers- Say. Oh, so what's what's on the other side? So like, That's what I've been hearing. Say, the reformers <laughs> say, like, if it's not in the Bible, it's not true. And then, and then it's like, okay, so, but that's not that wasn't the standard before. Now, I don't want to defend the the purg the way that the Catholics uh, had uh, their notion of purgatory. I'm not Catholic, so I, I don't feel like I have to defend that. But the idea that if it's not in the Bible, then it's not real. It's just so. Where's all it, the other information then? So the way, let's say the way that the more traditional churches understand it and the way that the Catholic and the Orthodox understand it is that the church is a body of people, right? The church is in a book. God is in a book. The, the Bible isn't the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word of God. It's the manifestation of the divine logos of God in the world. That's the word of God. The Bible is super important. Like the Bible is is a is a good means to help to prevent yourself from going into into chaos let's say um but it's but the the reality is more linked to the actual body of people and let's say their connection to to Christ through generations of people that transmit not just a bunch of books but a way of being and a way of praying and a way of seeing God in a way of engaging with God. So that's the way the traditional churches understand it, that there's a transmission, right? More like, like your father can write you a letter, 
and that's good. But he won't contain his being in the letter. It'll be in his example. Mm. The example that you get, like you, you let's say you, you model okay. your life on his example. And so if he writes a letter to say, you should do this, you should do that. It's like, that's great. I'll keep it. It's great advice. But the higher thing is the model. And so that's the way that the traditional church understood it. So it's like they have traditions which flow down from the apostles into, into, the, into the church. Okay. So it's a different way of, 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 of seeing it. But okay. the biggest important thing is that, for example, in the, in the more mystical way of understanding Christianity, it's like, it's not about doing good things to go to heaven. It's never, it was never about that. And it was never about not being able to do enough good things in order to go to heaven. It's about becoming something that you become heaven. You could say you're transformed into something that's free and that's going up the mountain or moving up towards something higher. So it's more about, so, so the idea that let's say you shouldn't lie isn't about like, well, if I lie so many times and I'll have so many years in purgatory or whatever, it's about if you lie, you are destroying yourself. And you're destroying the world around you. If you tell the truth, then you're building yourself and you're building the world around you. And that will transform you into something more than what you were before. And so the Christian life now doesn't become a bunch of stuff you have to do. It becomes a bunch of ways you have to be in order to be transformed, transformed into something more. So that's, that's more the mystical, and I think it's the, more the original way of understanding Christianity. So when, but by the time you come to the argument of like, can I do enough things to please God or not please God? It's like, it's all arbitrary. It's like, that's not the idea. The idea is that you're becoming in the image of Christ by embodying these patterns, by embodying this way of being, by putting your attention towards God above you, by, by putting your energy and your attention towards the things that transcend you, you're being transformed into the, the thing that you're focusing on. You're slowly becoming in the image of Christ. Okay. So that sounds a lot like what my dad teaches. Sounds that's why everybody's jokes about Jordan and says that he's like, he's like a pre-Orthodox. Like he, he, that's why there's so many Orthodox have connected to what he says is that, you know, although there's a lot of things that he says that they don't agree with, but in terms of just the basic trope of, of transformation and of understanding uh, the way the world kind of, we, we participate in the world. It's much closer to Orthodox, uh, let's say, way of, of being. Okay, so then my, my one question, and then we should wrap it up. My, one, my last question, I think, would be, so if Protestants are, you know, the Bible is the most important thing, word of God, they've got that. And you're saying that it's this tradition. How do people who are joining know that the tradition they're seeing in Orthodoxy is real? Well, usually, I mean, it's the testimony of the of the saints. That is, it's the it's the glowing examples of people who shine, right? And so we have we have all these testimonies, all these these stories of people that are bright, that are amazing, that are just beyond the normal human um, way of seeing, and so they they kind of are fruits of this body. They're the fruits of this, of this, of this process. Um, and I think that's the most existential way 
but they're also you could also do it we could also argue in terms of theology and metaphysics and and all that and some people love doing that you'll find them uh all around i don't tend to to think that way i do also think that there i we could argue about it in terms of even in terms of biblical interpretation all that we could argue but i think that ultimately that's that's closer to what uh what i think is the 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 living the life of the of the church is that it's you have these these fruits that appear that are these bright 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 lights and and they kind of help you see what's possible and you kind of see in the saints that oh wow there's something some people can be more than what i am you know and that 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 uh, gives you hope and it gives you models to uh, to kind of move Okay, that that part makes sense to me. I, I think the part that I'd be concerned with is joining a church that has gone sideways, that like isn't what it appears under the mm. guise of orthodoxy or under the guise of Catholicism or something. I don't know if yeah. it's me being paranoid, but I like. How do you? Is there a way to feel it out to make sure that the direction you're going is in alignment? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't. Uh... I can't be like, I can't be in your experience. That's why I, I, I said a good idea would be maybe to kind of have, have those experiences, you know, and there's also a difference between the local experience of something also, let's or the local instantiation of something and then the bigger frame in which it exists. So, so for example, the, the, let's say the Catholic tradition or the Orthodox tradition, they have bad priests and you'll have find bad priests and bad parishes and people that are corrupt there everywhere in, in the world. Uh, but, but nonetheless, there is something which is, let's say there's something unified and something real that happens. And the same thing, if you go to Protestant church, like you can go to Protestant church that is completely pathological, like that can happen, you know? Uh, so, I mean, I think you're, <laughs> I, I, I think you're, you have a, like you're you're low low enough on agreeableness that you're not the kind of person that's da- in danger of falling into a cult. At least no, that's my impression. So. I, I might be I might be wrong, but no, I don't. I'd hope not. Anyway, I'd be more likely I, to start a cult. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Either. That sounds about. That sounds right. So I would say don't don't do that. Don't start a cult. It's don't start like go to an actual church and don't start having like just Bible meetings in your house. That's probably better for you not to do that and okay. to actually try to like connect with other other people. Because <laughs> okay. you have that, like people do that all the time. Like it's like they don't like all the churches they find, so they're like, I'm going to start my own church, and then they become pastor so and so, self self declared pastor so and so. That's not great. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Well, that was really fun. We should do that again. That didn't sure. even scratch the surface of. Of questions, but maybe send me that book. I'll read that book. Yeah, anytime. Like it. I would, yeah. I'd be very happy to to talk to you anytime. Cool. Okay, I'm gonna take you up on that offer. It was nice meeting you. All right, it's good to meet you, Michaela.